All right. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter 13. And then put your mark on 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I enjoy it when worship is so powerful that I don't even have to stand up here and speak. We could we could go to the house today and I think you've been in the Lord's presence. I think he's honored and glorified through that, but we're not going to the house. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 13, a little bit in 14. I'm gonna, I am gonna kinda cut my message just a little to get you out. If you need to go anytime soon, you're welcome to go whenever you're not. been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. God goes through a series of judgments upon the Egyptian empire that he used to set the children of Israel free. Final judgment was the Passover in which they slayed a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. Uh, The Lord passed through Egypt that night and he said, if I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where they get the name from. And uh, those who didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their home uh, their, their firstborn was taken. And so in aspect, you see an act of God's mercy and an act of judgment solely based upon the obedience to put the blood on the doorpost. And it's the same thing with our salvation. This is a picture of our salvation, that by faith we trust in the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of our soul. When, when God sees that, death passes over us. If you don't have the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of your soul, then you'll face the judgment and the wrath of God. <clears throat> and so he brings them to that, and, and finally Pharaoh and his people, after all of the judgment, said, Go, take your people and go. And in verse 11 it says, And it shall be that when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers to give it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have the male shall be the lord's but every firstborn is uh, but every firstborn of animal which you have whether the males of the lord let me find that phrase right but every, oh, i got to wear my glasses great got them now but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb and if if you will not redeem it then you shall break its neck and all the firstborn of firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be a sign on your hand, on the front of your finger, out of your strength of your hand. The Lord has brought us out of Egypt. Now, that's, the, that's talking about their redemption. Then in verse 17, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. 
So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from here with you. Talk about that. It's a picture of the resurrection. I just caught that. Verse 20, so they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. A lot of preaching in that right there. But what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is a term that we so often use, and I think a lot of people don't understand, and that is following Jesus. You know, if you're here today and you say, I am, I'm, I'm been, I've been saved, I'm a Christian, it's also the same thing to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You can't say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't, I don't believe his ways, and I don't believe his word. I just <laughs> asked him to save me. That makes absolutely no biblical sense whatsoever. And so when you look at following Jesus, when you study the book of Exodus, you see a beautiful picture of uh, what's going on here and what it means to follow Jesus. Now, when the Lord set them free, he told them two things prior to this. In my Sunday school class, I taught all this uh, recently. But he told them two things. I want you to remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I won't go in detail on that. But it was a picture of, I want you to remember that all of your sins have been forgiven. If you're a child of God, one thing you need to always call into remembrance is that your sins are forgiven. You're no longer a slave of sin, that you have been set free through the blood of Jesus, and you're no longer under the bondage of that sin. That's something the devil tries to use against us to pour guilt, condemnation, shame, try to move you away from the Lord. And God's like, just remember that my blood set you free. You're not under that anymore. The second thing was he wanted them to remember that you are redeemed. And so when he talks about this sacrifice here, that's what he's saying. I want you to always remember, you didn't go to war to win the battle so that you could leave Egypt. God went to war. And we didn't go to war or work our way so that we find salvation and we're free from the judgment and the penalty of sin. Jesus went to war on the cross and he redeemed us. The word redeemed means to buy out of slavery. He paid the full price that was necessary in order that we could be free from the slavery of sin in our lives. And he wants us to know that remember because a lot of times what we do is we read the scripture. When I hold this way down here, y'all hear it all right? Because behind me I hear it. Okay, behind me, I hear a lot of ringing. Hold it up really close. Turn it down back there. Well, whatever. I'm going to scream today, okay? But what we, we, use the, we use the terms that, you know, the Lord set us free and whom the Son sets free. We just seen whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And there's a misconception, especially in our country, that when you're saved, that God sets you free. You know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we picture it as free as if you had a wild animal and captive and then all of a sudden you open the cage up and he went free and he's like, whoo, and he's gone. That's not the freedom that this is talking about. It means that we have been, he said, you have been redeemed. You're free from sin, but you belong. You are owned by the one who has purchased you. 
You're not just free to go out and live however and do whatever and under your own authority. And there's, a, you know, I'll give you some different scripture I won't tell you, but, but, the, but the scripture says, we are the sheep of his pasture. I believe that's Psalm 95. It says that we are the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus talked about in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It also says in, in John chapter 10, he said, my sheep. Hear my voice. I know them, and listen to me, and they follow me. He was describing his sheep. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. They have a a spiritual ear. They hear my word. They understand my word. I know them. We have a relationship, and they follow me. And so Jesus is describing what his sheep look like, and that he has divine ownership over them. I want to read to you real quick in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19 and 20. I'll let y'all get there. What was funny was, I was looking at this and I saw another verse over and thought, man, that's a good verse. I'm going to read you both of them. Verse 19 in chapter 6 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking to believers here. Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price, therefore... Because of Christ gave his life for you and you're his, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now look at this one I saw. Look over verse 22, chapter 7. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. And so he's, he's clearly points out here, I want you to understand that being a Christian or, or, or receiving grace doesn't mean, alright, now I live my life however I want to and I don't have any authority over anymore and then I'll die and go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches whatsoever. You know, and that, that surely stands against this whole concept of, well, he's my savior, but he's not the Lord of my life. I'm like, no, wait a second. When you look and you study in the book of Exodus, they came out of Egypt, and right there, we just read it, at that very moment, the pillar of fire appeared and was with them as, a, as fire in the day, or fire in the night, cloud in the day, and from that point on, that pillar of fire, which was the presence of the Holy Spirit, led them from that point on all the way to their destiny that God had for them and the purpose that God had for them. He never left, never, never left them, never forsook them, even in their disobedience, their rebellion, their murmuring, complaining. He never left them. In the New Testament, he said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So at the moment that you trust in Christ, God's Spirit enters into you. That is that fire, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the person of God enters inside of your body. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the, the point that he showed. You are a purchased possession. Okay? Are you all with me? And so in that, you see there that the Lord owns you. Because here's the thing. No one is unowned. You're either owned by sin and by Satan. That don't mean you have to go out and sacrifice goats and drink blood. You understand that? Or you're owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only two ownerships. But no one is unowned whatsoever. And so here's the thing. If our life is a continual pattern of godless rebellion, listen to me, I don't care what your profession is, what your mouth speaks, what you've done in front of the church, if your life 
the fruit, the evidence, the way you live seven days a week, and you profess to know and be a follower of Jesus, yet you, yet you walk in a godless, rebellious way, and you live in sin, and you love sin, then one or two things here that we could come to a conclusion. Either Jesus is really confused about what it means to be his follower. Because how he defines it, according, not according to me, but according to Scripture, everywhere I read, points out that those who are born again follow Jesus. And we are the sheep of his pasture. And if we wander, he is the shepherd who comes to bring us back to the place of his safety in the green pastures, the good pastures, for our protection and our safety. And so if your life is a pattern of you don't follow Jesus, you don't live by his word, you're never in his word, you're not interested in the destiny that it has for you, you're not seeking him, you're not, there's no change in your life, then by the word of God, I would say, maybe you're the one that's confused. You understand what I'm saying this morning? And I'm going to say some hard things, and, and just so you'll know why, why you say, man, when you say things like that, and it causes me problems. I mark my Bible in my notes with this right here. It's a clergy I know what it is, okay? And and the reason I do this, I won't tell you who this was. This is a clergy ring. This is what they give me every time I go to a funeral service and I preach a funeral, I get the clergy ring. I mark my Bible with that just in case while I'm turning to my Bible, the devil tempts me and goes, don't say that. Don't say that. Because here's the thing. One day I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to mark my Bible with your clergy ring. You understand? Whether or not you liked what I said, you felt comfortable on a Sunday, you got upset or offended, I'm going to stand with your clergy record in my Bible, and you're going to be in one of two places, heaven or hell. And a lot of that's going to be based upon whether you believe what the Bible says or you don't. I'm not up here to make your circumstances better and make life more comfortable for you. I'm very concerned about your eternity more than anything else. Yes, I want you to have a great marriage, great finances, great life, joy, happy, laugh, six flags. But I am more concerned about where you're going to spend eternity, where your kids are going to spend eternity. Because there's a lot of people here who really don't care where your kids will spend eternity according to the way that you live and act. Let's be honest this morning. Can I say a couple of difficult things? And then we'll have a little sweet sugar at the end or something. Maybe it'll help you process all this. All right? No, it's just one of those things. And so here's the thing. This is where it's going to really get with the men. Can you all stay with me? And if you want to fight after church, i got other men who represent me. <laughs> all right, here we go. Stay with me. Don't lose me right here. Notice this, that when the Lord saves, he assumes the role and responsibility of leading. At the moment that he delivered them out, right then, God assumed 600,000 plus people to take care of them, to lead them, to keep them safe. I'm so glad he assumes that role and responsibility. He is my savior. He's not only that, but he is my provider. He's my protector. He's my shield. The Bible said he's my fortress. He is my redeemer. All of those things he said, I assume that role. I want that role, okay? And listen to me, men. That's what the, the New Testament points out to go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus is as a picture of a husband who assumes the full role and responsibility of leading the bride or his church, okay, into the, the purpose and, and uh, what was that word I used? The, uh, anyway, the purpose, the destiny, that's what we're looking for today, okay? And so stay tuned there. As a 
just newly married in the last few years. It's not about, oh, she's really hot and it makes my stomach get all queasy and so I want to marry her. What you're saying is I am willing to assume the full role, responsibility, weight, and judgment of being the spiritual and physical leader of this young lady that I take as my bride. Some of you are absolutely pathetic. Now listen, I ain't call names and point fingers. Right now, I'm not even looking around. So I'm, I want to say this. We have some men in this church who are phenomenal spiritual leaders. They lead their homes just like Jesus. They raise their kids for the Lord. They teach their kids God's word. They discipline their children. They, they pray with their wives. They're an example. They, they themselves guard their hearts. They stay in God's word. They stand for righteousness. They're a light unto the Lord. They, they lead their family that way. And then there are others. Who ain't worth a plug stinking nickel. If it settles on you, let it settle. If you're a man who has a family and you never crack God's word open, you don't pray for, you don't pray with, you're like some of you, I know you're going to bow up and say, well, I work hard and I take care of my family as well as you should because the Bible says he that does not provide for his own has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. But there's a whole lot more to leading than working and giving your family nice things. What good does it do if your baby has a college degree and drives a Ferrari to hell? Let's get real. And some of the attitude that men have that you've taken on from the world to go, well, you know what, I just, that's the that's the preacher thing. And I bring my kids to church. And some of you don't even bring your kids to church because you've got other things that's more important in your life than their own spiritual welfare. Amen? Come on. And some of you need to step it up. If you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, how in the world? say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't even speak about the Lord to my kids. I depend upon another man to teach my kids this Bible. I depend upon my wife to carry them to church. I'll sit here in my living room and watch filth on the TV with them. I'll promote baseball and basketball and education and everything else on a level far greater than God's word because it sits there in my drawer. It's not even on the table anymore because it embarrasses me the way that I live to have God's word out. Men need to come to a place of repentance and suck it up is what men need to do and go, I'm going to repent and I'm going to leave my family and quit depending upon the church to do it. Anybody want to fight us and say, fuck you, I'm just kidding. But here's what I'm saying. Quit living like the world and expecting God to do something great in your life. Quit saying what you are and not doing. The Lord says, why do you talk in your door and you don't do the things that I say? Quit making stupid excuses of why you don't live like the devil, I follow after the world's ways, I chase after everything, I'm probably going to go to hell, so don't be like daddy, if we're going to be truthful, but if you're going to lead them, because here's the thing, men, most of your kids, and the women too, listen to me, they trust you less, and your kids are wrong, and you're a bully, and you bully them, and say, well, you know, you got to take care of this kid, and this kid's a little long.
Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for the mercy that you show us, God. Lord, I thank you that you love sinful people so much you just pursue us with your love. And God, your desire is to forgive us. Your desire is to redeem us, to to assume the full responsibility of all the things that we have going on in our life. I thank you, Lord, that you're willing to bear that burden just so that we can know you. God, I just pray that you would forgive me so many times, Lord, where I just stand right on the edge. And I pray that you give us a heart, God, to follow you and to pursue your calling and your purpose in our life. Lord, so that not only we can have victory in the battles, but Lord, that we would see that land of milk and honey. I pray for people here today who are lost, never come to a place to put their faith and trust in you, Lord. God, that right now they hear your voice, they humble themselves right where they stand, and they receive the forgiveness and grace that you died to give them. God, as your people, I pray we'd be a people who are zealous for your glory and your honor. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.